Hey guys, it's Aaron from the Don't Bowl Air podcast. This week, myself and Braden are lucky enough to be joined by a South African cricketer who has represented his country on 111 occasions and taken up to 150 wickets. He is currently applying his trade in England, representing Northamptonshire County Cricket Club as one of their premier bowlers. He details his introduction to cricket and playing with some of the greatest players to ever play the game. Today, we are chatting to Wayne Pine. Oh, that's not okay. That is out of here. And there's the dance from Parnell. Davies has got to go now. Yeah, Wayne Parnell, he's in the wickets again. Welcome to Don't Bowl there, Wayne. Um, how's everything going, mate? Yeah, good. Uh, it's quite sunny in South Africa here currently, uh, which is nice. Uh, I think it might be a change of season now, though, because we've had rain over the last couple of days. But other than that, everything's good. I'm preparing to um, go over to the UK to play some county cricket. So... Everything's good. How's how things done under? How's the whole um, COVID situation down there? Yeah, pretty good actually. Yeah, we just got a case. We got, just got one case the other day, and everyone's starting to freak, freak oh, out again. Yeah, 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 yeah. everyone's so, up in arms. So. Yeah, so been pretty good. Um, got it under control, and it's uh, it's looking pretty positive. So, what yeah. about what about over there? Um, I haven't seen too much with regards to numbers, but I think it's still it's still quite high. Um, we pretty much done with our lockdown we've got some restrictions um there's curfews and stuff at night but um it seems pretty chilled like people are just wearing masks everywhere and sanitize social distance but i think other than that like things kind of seem to be back to normal um obviously just with those with those guidelines it's just annoying because like you gotta wear a mask like all day yeah, you know yeah what i mean so what yeah. was uh what was lock, lock, lock sorry what was lockdown like for you in South Africa from say from an Australian perspective like I know we've been lucky enough here that it hasn't gotten to the point where where we've had to stay home for for a long period of time I, what what's it been like in South Africa Yeah so just going back um last year actually so I think it was Feb March when we had our initial lockdown so we had um I think it was eight weeks of like a hard lockdown. So you like at home, um, it was literally, you could only go to the shops to like get groceries. Um, and then after that, they kind of went down in levels. So that was like level five. Then it went down to level four with like, you could do a few more things. Then they introduced like, you could go exercise for like two hours in the morning, which didn't make sense because obviously everyone's going to go out between seven and nine a.m. Yeah. So you're like, if you're trying to prevent big crowds, that's probably not the way to go. But anyway, um, and then from there, went down to level three and level two. And then we had like another spike um, at the end of last year where they pretty much like closed all the beaches and like they kind of went up another level again. I actually can't even remember what, what level it was. But just during that hard lockdown, it was very difficult because obviously like you have all this freedom and um, I was supposed to leave to go to the UK because that was just before the county season started. And then obviously I, I couldn't leave. Then we had our lockdown and then they had the lockdown in the UK as well. So I know it's kind of like at home, just like training, um, doing some like physical stuff at home, like the home gym got um, sort of set up. Yeah, um, yeah but it was, it was very difficult, like mentally, I think more so, because obviously there's a lot of uncertainty, like you don't know what was going on. Every country was dealing with it differently. So, like, you don't know if it was going to last, like, you know, just the eight weeks or it last three months or it last six months. I mean, we've seen now it's it's kind of um, spilled over. It's, it's been more than 12 months of this, um, you know, and 
it's just affected everything. I mean, travel, it's oh, it's just been a, a complete nightmare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you go over to England, do you have to quarantine for a certain amount of time or are you straight into training and whatnot? So currently they're not allowing South Africans straight into the oh. UK. Um, so I'm going via Kenya for, I think I've got to be there for at least 10 days. And then when I go from Kenya to the UK, I've got to do, I think it's at least 10 days, but it's 10 days in your own accommodation. And I think you can do like two private tests. Um, so I think on day two and day five or six or something like that. And then if you have two negative tests, then I think you can get released. Right. Um, back into that the wild. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, uh, hopefully it doesn't affect you too much and you can get over to England pretty smoothly yeah. and it's not too much of an issue for Stop you. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we'll get we'll get straight into it. Uh, you were born on uh, 30th of July in, in Port Elizabeth. Um, what was it like growing up in South Africa and attending, uh, you attended the prestigious Grey High School. Um, what was that like and, and also backyard cricket battles and, and whatnot? Yeah, so um, the early days, it was... It was more myself and my dad, because I, I have an older brother as well. He's uh, seven years older than me. So it was more myself and my dad having battles than like, you know, the normal sibling rivalry. With my brother, it was more, um, you guys call it soccer as well. So yeah. it was more soccer battles in the, in the backyard than actual cricket battles. The cricket was more with my dad. Um, and funny enough, I always used to be Australia and he used to be South Africa. Um, so when I was, well, I could have been like six, seven, eight. Um, so I was always, because I'm left-handed, so I was always like, it's perfect because i got Gilchrist, Langer, <laughs> Aiden. Like, I was just those three guys. And then I kind of, um, as I got a little bit older, I kind of, you know, started seeing more um, st- uh, state teams from Australia. So I used to try and be all the, all the left-handers. Um so the Veneto, um, obviously Mike Hussey, um, you know, when he started, and I was actually lucky enough to, to play against Mike Hussey as well. Mm. Um, when I was, I think I was a like, teenager and then he obviously started playing international cricket and I just, I love his energy. I love the way that he played cricket. And um, that was like, when I, when I went through the age groups, that was kind of who I wanted to be. I was, I was like, I'm, I'm the Huss. Um, and actually, when I was at school, um, I actually had the, the nickname of Mr. Cricket as well for <laughs> a couple of years when, when I was at Grey, yeah, just because I, I really loved him. Didn't you Didn't you get Mark Hussey out at one stage in your career? There's a big appeal, and it's gone! Another wicket waved by Null and Dale Stainite Fire at Supersport Park in Centurion. The 19-year-old has picked up his third wicket. And it's the big wicket of Mike Hussey, he scored 83 in the first MTN. South Africa on fire and Australia are in deep, deep trouble. I did actually, yeah, in my in my second ODI, um, it was at Centurion, yeah. Like, a, <laughs> oh, probably one of the best balls I've ever bowled, like, swung in through the air and then, like, as a pitch, it just nipped away, like, he was playing all, all around it. Um, LBW, like, oh, yeah. It. Crazy. <laughs> Unreal. So we'll go away from cricket a bit. And uh, what's your favourite food, Wayne? Um, well, being from this part of the world, obviously the, the meat is really good. So I'm going to have to go with a nice juicy steak, actually. Yeah, okay. Is that, you talk about a nice juicy steak. Is that what you tend to eat before a game? Or what's, what sort of meals do you eat uh, on game day? Good question, actually. I'm not, I'm not too fussy. Um, 
I try and do something like nutritious. Um, you know, when it's like when it's Red Bull cricket, um, I try and like load up on the carbs and stuff like that. Uh, I'm nice pasta, something like that. But generally, like I'm not, I'm not too fussed to be honest. I'm not like super strict. I do enjoy like naughty treats, um, some sweets <laughs> like, now and then. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> do, do you consider yourself much of a cook? Uh, no. No. <laughs> I mean, I can I can look after myself. Like I've obviously been like you know doing play county cricket um, before um, before I was married. So and I've I've survived. So um, <laughs> I'm okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say like oh no you know what I'm like good cook I'm I'm okay. Like, I'm just okay. <laughs> what would be there. your uh, specialty dish? Do you reckon if you if you had one meal to cook, what would it be? So I actually do a, a good breakfast, actually, like just uh, scrambled eggs and um, some salmon. I mean, it's oh, just, okay. like I said, keep things very basic yeah, and just some oatmeal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but for like lunch and like dinner, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not very like clued up on that. Uh, well, as a youngster, you were touted as uh, the next big thing and you made your first class debut at uh, just 17. Mm. Uh, being so young, did you ever feel the pressure of what was being said about you coming through the ranks or was it sort of just white noise to you? I actually like it's it's quite tricky because like when you're going through it, you don't really realize what's happening. Um, and I've kind of reflected on it a little bit, and it's it's so strange because like a lot of people that you don't know have this opinion of you and how you should be. Um, and I think like at a certain stage, it it did kind of play on my mind because like you know like you 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 almost kind of going through this journey and you like don't really know where it's going to take you. But also like there's this expectation from other people that it needs to go, like you have to go left now. Like this is what we expecting you to do. And you're like, well, actually, you know, there are a lot of different factors that like kind of come into it. Um, and maybe that wasn't the, the part that was meant for me, even though like, you know, uh, people might've thought that. And it's, it's kind of a, a struggle that I've had with like journalists, especially because, like they, they kind of piggyback off like certain narratives and like, you know, it it's like sometimes it's unfair um, and I think it places unnecessary uh, pressure on players, especially especially young guys. Um, but for me, I just, I really loved playing cricket, obviously. And as a youngster, that's all I wanted to do. I didn't really care about where I was doing it. Um, and it kind of all happened quickly. Like I made my first class debut for Eastern Province. Then... Um, I went to the Under-19 World Cup, came back, uh, played T20 cricket for my team back in Port Elizabeth, the Warriors. Um, went to the National Academy, went to Australia with the South African emerging team, got picked for the South Africa A, uh, then started the first-class season with the Warriors. Two months later, on a plane to Australia to make my um, T20 and ODI debut, and then from there, like, kind of played for South Africa. Um, so it literally all happened like in the space of I reckon like eighteen to twenty-four months. So I, I like didn't have time to like process it really. And like like you, you mentioned, like a lot of hype around like you know this guy should be, and being a left arm uh, quick as well it was like because I think that the kind of previous one that played before me was Brett Schultz, and that was like a few years before. So they were kind of looking for this, you know, left arm seamer type of thing. So I think that also placed a lot of pressure on it. Um, and then when I was younger, like I had a couple of injuries and kind of in and out of the side and then, you know, 
captain. Like when I, when I started, Graham Smith was captain, um, and I, I feel like he kind of handled me like really well. And then obviously change of captaincy and maybe and then like players change as well. You know, different players come in and stuff like that. The coaching staff changes. Um, they might have different uh, parts that they want to go. So as a player, you don't always have control over like how things kind of pan out. You know, um, from my side, it was kind of just I just. I just wanted to like play and just get game time. Um, and I went through a period where I was with the national team, but not playing much. So I was kind of like squad player. So I'd go on tours and you're just training every day or whatever. Like the intensity of, of training is good. Obviously it's like, it's really high, but what you get from like playing games, like match, match practice, you can't, like you can put in hours in the nets and stuff, but even like playing a couple of club games, just gives you a different feel of like where you are. Yep. All right. So we'll get into um, a few of your first. Everyone's had first everything. Uh, what was your first car? My first car, I had a um, Volkswagen um, City Golf. Yeah. Okay. What color? It was like light blue. <laughs> it was actually, it was a, a tenacity. So I used to, I used to call it a parnacity. Actually, oh, okay. I was like 18 when I had it, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> did it drive pretty well or did you, have you had better yeah, cars since? Yeah, it actually had a, a nice sound system in as well, so yeah, I just okay. been bouncing good training. <laughs> Too funny. And uh, what was your first job? Did you ever have a have a job growing up or was it always cricket for you? No, it was always cricket, yeah. Um, it's quite funny. I was having this conversation with my wife earlier, um, just saying that like I've, I've pretty much like not done anything. I've just played cricket. Like, this is my career and, like, this is the only kind of, like, job in inverted commas that I've had. Um, yeah, so, like, this is the first. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the first yeah. and only. Yeah. If, if, you weren't, if you weren't playing cricket, what sort of career do you reckon you'd go into? I think in, anything in sport. I mean, like, um, well, maybe now, like, you know, having gone through sport and understanding it, I, I do have other interests, um, but, like, if you asked me at the age of what, 16 or 17, like, what do you want to do? It was definitely like work in sport because like, I just love sport. I love athletes. I love the way that, um, you know, being an athlete, it's, it's such a like special skill. And it's something that you like, honestly, when you, when you're doing it and you like, you know, getting old and playing various teams in whatever sport it is, you don't even realize that, like the average person looks up to you so much just from that perspective. And I only like found this out like much later because my, my father-in-law is a, a very good mountain biker actually. Um, and he literally tells me like all the time, he's like, you know what? I can go ride for like six, seven, eight hours. Like I can do 150 kilometers. I can run like 20 Ks easy, but like to be able to, to bowl the ball straight on the stumps, like I can't do that. <laughs> And then you kind of like, yeah. And then like for me, that, that comes so naturally. And I'm sure it's the same for like footy players as well. Like, you know, they just they rock up and they just do it. Like they don't even think about it. So I think it's like re- really cool to just kind of acknowledge that, I, I guess. But I, I think you also like once you get older, you start reflecting on more things. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when, when you're young, you just like, uh, just go out and like do it. <laughs> Certainly not a bad job to have. That's yeah, for sure. exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Decent. <laughs> uh, well, you were picked up by Kent in England in uh, 2009 and, and have played a lot of cricket over in England since then. 
Uh, tell us about your initial transition to England and uh, adjusting to the different style of cricket and, and culture, I guess. Yeah, so, um, well, in 2009, I was, what, 19, I think, uh, 18, 19. So literally, like, straight out of school, uh, I was actually lucky enough because I, I, I toured there in 2007 with my with Grey High School. So the, the first team toured there for, like, a couple of weeks. Um, so going over playing county cricket, like, I obviously just heard about county cricket, like, um, throughout high school, I was always checking, like, scorecards and cricket info. Um, you know, checking all these articles about like county cricket and stuff, and to actually get the opportunity to go play was quite cool. But it was it was wild as well because it's like you're going to a foreign country and you're like on your own. Yeah. And I think like from a lifestyle point of view, it was a big shock for me because, like I said, like I'm young, I'm on my own. I want to like look after myself now, so I want to like, like cook for myself, make sure that I'm fed properly, and like my place is looking like half decent where I'm staying and all of that. But the club, they were like really, really good. Um, and I, it's actually funny because I, I ended up going back there again in 2017, um, just purely because it's like it's a really nice club and it's it's run like really well. Um, some of the people were still there actually when I went back in 2017. Um, so it's nice to see them kind of still, still being there. Um, but just it's a, a completely different culture and it's a completely different way of like playing cricket. Like yeah. I'm sure in Australia it's completely different as well, and I think that's the nice thing because I only played in South Africa up until that, that point, and like we have a certain way of doing things, and then you get over to the county circuit, and it's like they do things completely differently. Um, and as I've kind of gone over, you know, um, time after time, you see how it's changed, and it's so cool to see how that's folded into like how the national team is playing now, you know. Um, and then, like coming back to South Africa and playing here, it's like okay, we're doing stuff like this. So, you know, I think it's like interesting because every country has their own way of like doing things, and I think that's that's cool and that helps you really grow, uh, both on and off the field. Sure. We uh, also made your ODI and T Twenty uh, debut against Australia, as you mentioned before, in uh, two thousand nine. Yeah. Uh, tell us about receiving the phone call saying you'll be playing against. Yeah, or playing for your country and uh, against some of your heroes, as you mentioned. Yeah, so I was, I think it was like a, it was a Sunday morning actually, and I was driving back from the gym. And Mike Proctor was the convener of selectors at the time. Um, I just, I, I saw this number, it was like a, a plus six four number. And I was like, I don't recognize this country code. So I answered anyway. It was like it was early in the morning, it could have been like 9 a.m. And it's like, hey, uh, it's Mike Proctor. Um, I'm calling you to say that you've been selected for the uh, T20 and uh, ODI squads to tour Australia. Uh, I was like, I stopped the car. And I was like, uh, sorry, can you just like repeat that? Because I wasn't <laughs> sure what was going on. And then like said it again. And I was like, okay, cool. That's, that's cool. And then like I literally, I sat there. I was like, maybe two minutes away from, from where I live and I sat in the car like where I sort of pulled over for like 10, 15 minutes just kind of absorbing like what just happened. Um, yeah. And then like a couple of weeks, I think like, so that was in, in December and then like early in Jan, um, I think it was the Sydney test match. During that test match, like I was on a flight with like Herschel Gibbs, Johan Buerta, 
um, it was obviously like part of the Albion Ball, part of the ODI squad and like T20 squad. So I was like, this is crazy. Like I'm sitting next to you. I was watching these guys like play like two or three months ago. Now I'm sitting like on the same <laughs> play on a flipping um, Qantas flight going to uh, Sydney. Um, yeah, so it was, it, was, it was crazy, but like special as well. Of course. So you, you go straight from a typically you go straight from a South African season into an English season. So I'm not sure if you get much of an off season. But when you do get an off season, what do you typically like to do to take yourself away from cricket? Uh, I I actually enjoy a lot of things away from you know, like I'm, I'm into photography a little bit. Um, I enjoy just hanging out with like mates, uh, just. Because Cape Town's quite cool. It's, it's kind of some, uh, similar to Melbourne and Sydney a little bit with, like, coffee culture. And that. so there are a lot of different, like, cafes. Try and just go sit and find different cafes, like sample coffee. Um, I play soccer as well in the off-season. Um, we've got um, five-a-side football here, so I do that. I live really close to the mountain, so, like, trail running something that I've started doing recently as well. Um, just things that are not to do with cricket, Um to kind of just like recharge and like re- refresh because I find like if you if you're doing something like all the time every single day, um, you know you obviously have ups and downs. You have days where you like really into it. You have some days where you just <laughs> don't feel like doing anything, which is normal. Um, so when I'm there, like obviously family now has become really important as well. You know, um, so just really spending time with them as well. My son is growing up really quickly, yeah. <laughs> so just nice seeing him grow up. As well, and I think lockdown, even with lockdown as well, that was really cool to like kind of have that um, time with him. Of course, yeah, it's awesome. And uh, when you're out on the field, what do you do once you're at the top of your mark about to bowl a ball? Do you say something to yourself, or or do you, do you take an extra second? Like, what what is it that goes through your mind when you're at the top of your mark? So I try to just think about what what I have to do, and then once I sort of take off, I kind of just don't think about anything. Um, it's it's difficult because some like especially like short format games like there's a lot going on like all the time and the game changes kind of from like ball to ball so you like I'm kind of I, I know what I have to do and I try to like block it out you know because I know like at the top of my this is what I'm gonna do so I run up but I've also had times where like midway through my run up then I'm thinking of something different. Like I, I can, like I just feel like I'm like this guy's gonna like he's gonna he's gonna whack it, like he's just lining it up, and then you kind of change as well. But for the most part, I literally try and just keep things simple. I'm like, this is what I'm gonna bowl, and I'm and I commit to it fully. Um, and more often than not, if you if you do that, you like kind of execute it more because your like mind body connection is very important. Um, so when you like, I, I find that like if I'm if I set my mind to something. My body, sometimes like somehow, just finds a way to kind of follow that, and yeah. that, that's something that I learned mm. from like Mushtaq Ahmed. Like I think in 2011, when I was playing at Sussex, I actually had a nice chat with him, and he was like, "You know, like before, I couldn't bowl a certain ball, and then I used to just practice that, and I used to just in my mind just feel like I'm doing it, and eventually my my body just found a way to like land in a certain area and and do what I wanted to do." And I, and I found that quite fascinating where the power of the mind is 
it's quite important actually where you know a lot of people doubt themselves like you know, i can't do this because of this this and this whereas like even if you can't do it first up if you keep telling yourself that i can do it i can do it i can do it eventually like you keep building like positive things in, in your mind and it starts telling you that actually you know what this is physically possible and if it's physically possible you can you can probably do it Makes all the sense when you put it like that, actually. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, well, <laughs> you mentioned uh, earlier that South Africa aren't exactly renowned for producing uh, left-arm seamers. Um, mm. During your time, did that make it difficult for you to learn and keep improving um, on your game, especially um, part of your bowling as a, as a left-arm seamer? Did it make it difficult for you, or did you just, as you said, just naturally picked up things from certain people and um, all that sort of stuff? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, for me, like like I said, like when you, you're going through it, I mean, you have bowling coaches and stuff like that, like, and you have like greats, you like playing with Dale Stain, Mornay Morkel, Makai Antini, Jacques Cullis, like these are greats of South African cricket, right? But being a left arm seamer, like it's, it's different, you know what I mean? So like I found that where I could speak to them about cricket and about like tactics and, and stuff like that, like technical stuff, like they just didn't understand it. Um, and also, like once you get into that setup, I think at that at that time when I was like really young as well, like I don't think it was as collaborative as what it is now. Where I find like a lot of senior players are more open. Like I think like it's more like a, a mindset shift. You know, they're obviously focusing on like their own games as well. Um, so it's quite it's kind of difficult to like still like help this youngster you know what I mean and like as a left arm seamer so it's different so like I kind of wish that I had one or two um, guys that I could actually like you know just pick their brains really and and find out like things that they did um, whereas like I found like over the last few years I've kind of had to work things out for myself um, and when like I said when you're younger you don't you don't really think about those things. Like, you don't think about doing certain things. For instance, like, bowling around the wicket in, in Red Bull cricket, I've actually done it a lot more over the last couple of years than what I've done, like, in my whole career. Um, and that was something, like, people were always like, oh, no, you left arm, you need to bowl over the wicket and, like, bring the ball back in to, to the right-handers. Like, yeah, but if you bowl around the wicket, that's a, a different angle and you're creating, you know, different ways to, like, get people out as well. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of just like they. I mean, they obviously all meant well to like you know keep things simple and all of that. But I think sometimes as players, like you need to figure out. I mean, you need to figure out things for for yourself. Yeah, of course. Uh, well, as you mentioned, you played with uh, some pretty big names in our uh, South African cricket, the likes of Philander, Morhall, Stan Callis, Santini, all of those guys. Um, pretty handy bowlers. But did that? It bring out different sort of competitiveness in in training and and like a, a need to train hard and, and perform well as well to keep your spot and ultimately get your spot in the spot in the side? Um, I think when I started, it was more a case of wanting to do well to kind of feel like I, I belonged. Because um, when I started like 09 and going into 2010, um, if you look at the, the actual makeup of the team, right? So you had like Smith, uh, Callis, Amla, De Villiers, Boucher, Dini, Morkel, Stain, you know, that's a proper side. I mean, that side, they were like number one in test cricket for a while. So, and even like ODI cricket as well, they were really dominating. So like for me, and I literally, when I made my debut, I reckon I played like a handful of first class games, right? 
So from that perspective, like, I felt like I had to come in and like be exceptional to, to kind of just fit in. You know what I mean? And I was lucky enough that my second, so my second ODI and my first one in South Africa against Australia, and I got, I think it was four for 25. And I think like from that particular point, I was kind of accepted. And then that's when you're like, okay, cool. I can just focus on like being myself. I can just keep training and, you know, and I think like, like now, even now as well, it's completely different. Whereas like now, like even um, up until a couple of years ago, before I obviously went over to the UK with the, the whole callback thing, when I was playing in the national team, when I used to see youngsters coming in, like it made me a little bit sad and I kind of envied it a little bit that it was so welcoming. Like people were almost wanting you to like do well. It wasn't a case of like, well, you're in this space now, you got to do well, you got to show us that you can do that at this particular level and then, you know, we'll kind of accept you. Um, I, and I, you also don't know if it was like more in your own head than like, you know what I mean? Like maybe mm-hmm. I just overplayed it where I thought like I had to do this thing. But um, I, it was kind of, and it's again, like, you know, times change. Like it was a very like, old school type of thinking as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, the youngsters have their place and all of that stuff. Whereas like now, like, every, like I mean, you have like 19, 20 year old guys who are, you know, in the first or second series and they like treated like senior players because at the end of the day now, what's the, what's the key thing? We want to win, right? So like, we don't care if you're 35 or 19, like if you can play, you, you can play, you know what I mean? If, you, if you're good enough, you're old enough. Yeah. Um, whereas kind of like if you go back like 10, 15 years ago, it was different. Like, oh yeah, you, you're just a 20-year-old kid. You've played like a handful of games. You know, show us what you can do on this world stage and then we kind of, can't accept you. You say that. Um, take us into the dressing room of a South African team after, say, a loss. Um, yeah. yeah it, say you're in that situation and you've just lost the game. Um, what's the mood around a South African dressing room 10, 15 years ago when, um, say, a, a young guy wasn't wasn't as accepted as what they are now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was it was very difficult. Like, because I, I think there's like different elements to it, right? So the one is that you as the actual player, you know, if you haven't done well, you know you haven't done well, right? And then, like, again, you, you're trying to get this, like, sense of acceptance from your, from your your peers and your, like, teammates and actually even guys that you looked up to. So that's another element, right? But I think, like, the nice thing about having, like, all of those experienced guys there is, like, they could also recognize when it was, like, you know what, Ricky Ponting played well today. Like, he came out and he meddled everything. You couldn't have done much more. Or if it was a case of like, you know what, you bowled poorly, like that was crap. Let's go back to the drawing board. Yeah. Um, so I think that was the other nice thing of having like all of those experienced guys there as well. It's like th- they could kind of guide you as well as like, you know what, this guy, like he's a good player. He came out, he did everything that he wanted to do. You, you try to execute your stuff, didn't come off today. Like let's go back to the drawing board. And I think, and it's also like a much harder like, I think they were just harder on you, which for some guys, it like helps them a lot. Like for, for me, I was always like, I, I didn't mind that. I didn't mind people coming hard at me. I was, I was never one to like back down, you know, like certain guys now, if you like speak to them too loudly, like you won't see them for the next three weeks, three, four weeks, you know. Whereas like I found like, because when, when I started, that was kind of the way that things were done. And I was like, you know what, cool, like let's just get on with it. I, I, I know I've got to be better or play better or work harder. So 
they just get on with it, you know. Um, and you had a lot of senior players who who kind of also like in in their defense, like that was the way that they were brought up, you know, playing. So they kind of just passed it on. Yeah, yeah. So you just kind of just like got on with it. You talk about as Brayden elaborated, what's the dressing sheds of a South African national team like after a loss? Uh, I want to take you back to 2015, the uh, the World Cup. Yeah, uh, you were part of that squad, <laughs> and uh, yeah. and what some people say might even be the the best game of cricket they've seen, the uh, semi final between South Africa and New Zealand. Oh, he's hit a gap. He's hit a four. Daniel Vittori has passed. Oh, playing a miss. Elliot runs through. They're going to have to run him out. They miss. Obviously, a, yeah. a, a quite a good day for New Zealand, but also a disappointing yeah. day for South Africa. The mood must have been pretty, almost a very sad mood. But how did you guys, as a team, deal with that? Similar to what you said earlier. Yeah, so it's like you know, with ICC events, it's been a um, I wouldn't even call it a monkey on our. It's a, it's like a gorilla on our on our, our, our shoulders, you know. Um, it's just whenever it comes, like we can play any team in the world in a series. It can be two all going into the last ODI, and we'll beat anyone, and we'll win the series. But as soon as it comes to ICC events, <laughs> and it's that crunch time, that crunch game where you need a win to go through to the next round or whatever, either the opposition come out and they just like blast you away, or like we'll find something weird. We'll do something weird. I mean, if you look at every single World Cup or ICC event, it's been like that. You know, you look at 99 with the run-out debacle, 2003, I think it was the rain. I mean, I think 2007, I think Hayden just came out and like, it was either Hayden or Gilchrist, and he just came out and just literally blasted everywhere. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? And then like 2011 was the game against New Zealand where like, if you look at the dismissals, it's just like, I think like, I'm not like, Bottom edge went onto his foot and it went to slip. Um, Callis got caught in like a massive bounty. Jacob Porter ran like 500 meters diving catch. Like he was a run. It's like just like weird things, right? So then you, you get to 2015 and like you play and you obviously get through. And then you beat Pakistan uh, in the quarterfinals. And then you're like, okay, cool. We're playing New Zealand, one of the favorites at Auckland. And then you're like, sweet. They start well. You managed to get a decent total. And then, like, McCallum just comes out and absolutely just goes crazy. He's like... <laughs> and I think that's the mindset as well. Like, reckon, like he was like, you know what? They've got this gun bowling lineup. They've got um, Flanders, Stain, Morkel. Like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to go hard at all of these guys, you know, and see what, what they've got. And I think that's the mindset of, like, champion players. You know, they're like, you know what? This is a stage where you know that South Africa, they haven't had the best, you know, in this in this um, situations. So let's put them under pressure and, and see how they react, right? So he comes out, he's smashing it like everywhere. And we're sitting, and I think I was um, speaking to one of the players who's sitting like next to me, and I was like, we're in trouble here now. But I'm still thinking, like, you know, if we get McCullum, like, get a, squeeze a couple get a couple of wickets, we're back into it. 
So as I added, like he's, I think we could have had close to 300, I think. Was it like two, 280 something? Sounds very awesome. Yeah, yeah, we don't know. Just going outfit. So kind of, kind of like ebb and flow of the of the national game and stuff, and then like it gets to like crunch time, and then I think there was one. I can't remember who was batting, but they hit one to like could have been like deep backwards square somewhere, and then two players went for it and kind of like pulled out at the last minute because the one was kind of looking at the other and that, and then like when that happens, and you're like, oh, you know, that's a moment because you like recognize it. And I think there could have been a run out as well at some stage where like someone missed it. You, you see those things happen and you're like, is this going to go down that way again? Um, and then obviously, the, I think it was uh, Grant Elliott yeah. um, yeah. over where again, like, boom, six, and then that's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then that's, it's done. Like, it's like the, the roller coaster is like, it's crazy because you, you like really felt like, you know, this is actually, we can actually go all the way here. Um, and then when you get to the final, you you never know what's, what's going to happen. But and then like obviously on the field, like guys crying, and because you you could actually feel like it, it meant a lot to the guy. Obviously, every World Cup means a lot, but that one in particular, you felt like you know what we've got a good squad. And then like in the dressing room, it was like sadness, but kind of like not as like morbid as like the like previous ones that I, that I've been part of, whether it's been T Twenty World Cup or fifty other World Cups before. Um, like we kind of felt like you know we, we gave it a good shot and you know one or two things here and there could have gone differently but ultimately it was a, a like decent try you know what I mean mm, um, and then like the only sad thing for me was like afterwards and all the other side stories and things came out you know um, kind of trying to like mask what had happened and trying to put blame on like people and for, for me that's not that's not really cool um, I think yeah. it's it obviously takes the whole squad to kind of get you there. Um, and I think everyone has to take responsibility for that. 